seated today. Uh, last week we began in a series called I Love My Church. And just so you know, I really do love my church. I look forward to Sundays. I look forward to hanging out with you guys, spending time with you. Now, I have not always been in this place. There was a time in my life when Christianity was about religion and it was about duty and responsibilities. So church was a, oh, I got to go again. I just went last Sunday. Or for me growing up, I could say, I just went on Saturday night to prayer meeting. And, and I just came out of Sunday school, and now here I am Sunday morning at church, and I'm going to be going tonight, Sunday night at church. And then, of course, I'll be going midweek service on Wednesday nights, and occasionally we'll have revival where we'll go Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. For those of you that think revival just ends on Wednesday night because you grew up on the later, it used to be it ran all the time, and you just went to church all the time. And sometimes we would go to church so much that we were doing church that we forgot to really be the church. We really did. You get so busy sometimes. And, and I, I love the format of what we do. I, I love my church. But last week I talked about how love is a response. And, and love is that when the, when the love of God begins to fill your heart and life, it begins to change you on the inside, you begin to love other people. In fact, just so you know, all of your actions, your words that you're saying, the, the scowls that you can have on your face from time to time, all of those things are just a response from something that is happening on the inside of you. And one of the things I recognize in my life that even as a pastor, y'all buckle up for this, I can be unloving from time to time. I know, shocked, 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 I tell you, right? And, and what I've discovered is that when I am unloving, it's simply because something is wrong on the inside of me. Sometimes it's because I've gone through something that's kind of damaged and hurt me a little bit. But a lot of times, I've just kind of allowed something that damaged me and hurt me to be the focus and attention of my life. And I focus on it. And I play the home movie in my life about what they said, what they did. And I think about it, and I contemplate I start speaking about it, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I'm rah! And my staff can always tell. They're laughing nervously right now because they're not sure if they should laugh at this point. But they can tell. They can tell when something's not right on the inside of us. And just so you know, we can tell for you too. Because love is just a response. When the love of God gets in you, you start loving other people. In fact, look at what Jesus said this. He said this in John 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You want to know how the world's going to know that we're followers of Jesus Christ? It will be if you... And I left it blank intentionally there because for some of you, you think it's if you attend church regularly. Yeah, if my neighbors see me driving out of the, 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 the alley in the morning on Sunday mornings, they're going to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you think it's if you serve in that area of ministry that you absolutely don't want to serve in, but no one else will serve in it, so you make a choice to serve in it, so you are the Christian, and if you serve in that, everyone's going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not. It, nor is it if you give of your time and of your manage, ministry and your, and your energy to further the cause of Christ. That's what we think it is, but look at what it really is. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how people are going to know we're followers of Jesus Christ. If you love one another. You want to know how to share your faith with other people? Love other people. This is really the test if we're really true followers of Jesus Christ. It's really the test that helps us understand, do I really understand the love of God? Now, if you've been attending here for a while, you know that we spend a little bit of time talking about the love of God. 
Actually, that's a joke because we talk about it all the time. And people tell me all the time, Richie, I get that love of God. Let's move on stuff. What's wrong with you? Well, I think that you actually need to understand the love of God yourself, right? Because when the love of God gets in us, the love of God comes out of us. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, I might be a little bit old-fashioned, but I'm of the mindset that when you love someone, you want to spend time with that someone. I know that culturally today, that's a little bit different, whether people are dating or talking or going steady try to hit as many generations as I possibly can here, that, that today young people will be dating and they'll go to events riding in different cars and spend time apart. But I think when you love somebody, you want to spend time with them. Listen, when I was dating my wife, I loved to spend time with her. I would make up excuses of spending time with her. I'd think of every reason I possibly could. And when I would get home, I would have to call her up. Let me call you up just to make sure that you made it home, okay? And we'd talk on the phone for a long time because I wanted to spend time with her. In fact, we would do that. Hey, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. You hang up first. Nope. Oh, she hung up. Okay, well, that kind of surprised me. You you want to spend time with him. So, when you start falling in love with the body of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is his bride, you want to spend time with him. You You want to get connected with him. You want, to, you want to be in relationship with them. Now, some of you aren't sure about that, and I understand. And I, I want to ask you to hang with me today because I'm going to hopefully unpack this for you so you can understand what it is that I'm saying so that you can understand what can become the evidence in your life that the love of God is inside of your life. It's when you start loving one another. So I want to, I want to begin with this thought today, and it's really what's on our, all of our T-shirts today. And just in case you're wondering, you're going, wow, that's kind of a coincidence that that many people would show up wearing the same t-shirt today. These are connect group coaches, and today we're beginning our sign-up for our connect groups. And, and it's really about what's on our t-shirt, that we are better together. We really believe that we are better together. When you have people in your life, you know, I, I say things like this all the time. None of us are as smart as all of us. None of us are as strong as all of us. And we are better together. And I'm hoping really just to prove that to you today. And again, I know that for some of you this morning, that's a little bit of a challenge because you look at the dysfunction of the church and you look at this issue. Have you ever noticed that most of the problems in your life come from people in your life? That people say things and do things wrong. And so you're kind of challenged really trying to to figure it out because it really seems like the church is a mess. I mean, when you know some people, you don't, you don't have to nod because you might be sitting by them today, but there's some people that you might come in contact with in the church that are a mess. And just so that we know today, the church is not the organization. It's not the building. It's not the structure. The church is actually who we are. It's who we are. And here's the reason why it's such a mess, because I'm in it. And because you're in it. Because the person sitting next to you is in it. And sometimes we look at that and, and we're, we're struggling to want to be connected because we recognize that relationships sometimes can be a mess. But relationships are the key. And we should not try to do life alone. I would say in about the last decade, one of the, the popular things that really has been hitting our culture is that Christianity is not about the organized church, so just be your own church and be by yourself. 
And I believe that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy because all throughout the word of God, people met in large groups like this and they celebrated the goodness of God and then they met in small groups. But God doesn't want you to live life isolated. He doesn't want you to live life alone. In fact, this week I was watching something on the National Geographic channel. It was about the wildebeest and their long migration through the Sahara Desert. Y'all ever watch that? And, and the prey, when it would go after a wildebeest, you know what it would try, typically try to find is a weak or smaller wildebeest that had gotten separated from the herd. And listen, you may not be weak and you may not be small, but there are times in your life when you feel weak and you feel small. And those are the moments that if you get isolated instead of running to God, instead of running to others, that's the time that the devil's going to come into your life. He's going to start saying wrong things over your life and he's going to drag you down. And so you got to understand that relationships are the key. That's why, again, we shouldn't do life alone. We should do life together. And just so you know what I mean when I'm saying together, I'm not talking about you walking in at the last minute service begins and darting out as quickly as you can, just saying hi to a few people. I'm talking about us doing life together where our hearts begin to get connected. And listen, you don't have to do relationships with us But you need to do a relationship with someone. You need to be connected with someone because relationships, honestly, are the most important decision that you'll ever make. In fact, if you want to know some things that are going to be in your life six months or a year from now, look at the relationships that you have in your life right now. All right, so I want to talk to you today about why relationships are so important and why it's important for you to be in a godly small group. Because most of you are in a small group, whether it's, you know, your your son's sport team or or different things you've got a group of people but you need some godly relationships around you some some people that are pursuing God like you are so they can speak wonderful things into your life so I want to look at what the Bible has to say about this because again it's not God's plan for you to live alone it's not God's plan for you to live in isolation now all the introverts that are here today say no I think it actually is it's not All right, even for us that are introverts, we need other people in our lives. And so in Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, this is the book of beginnings, all right? Genesis chapter 1 is the story of creation, and there's a phrase that shows up in this passage over and over again, and it says this, produce seed, okay? So I want you to be thinking about that producing of seed or seed being in us as we look at this passage. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, it says, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. In other words, inside of the thing are going to be more things like it. All right? According to their various kinds, and it was so. So what God was saying is that inside of every plant, inside of every tree, there's going to be seed for more of those things in it. That there are literally acres of trees inside of one tree. There are acres of plants inside of one plant. It's one of the things that makes God so amazing because only God could shove forests of trees inside of trees. The reason is, is because he is a God of potential. Now listen, sometimes we hear the word potential and we may make us feel like, well, I haven't arrived yet. None of us have arrived yet. And God is a God of potential. And notice that they would bear fruit with seed in it. Even the ones they produce would actually have the seed in it also. The line there says, according to the various kinds, means that they were going to produce more like themselves. Verse 12 says, and the land, the land produced vegetation. In other words, God said it to happen, and it happened. 
plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God said, I'm going to create a system where I'm not just going to create the thing. I'm going to create the thing with the ability to create more things like it. Okay, y'all need to track with me here for just a little bit. In other words, I'm going to shove more things in it into it. And it didn't just happen with the plants and animals. It happened with us too. But instead of just putting a generic seed inside of us, God put actually his seed inside of us. If you drop down to verse 27, it says this. So God created man. God's saying, I'm going to put my seed inside of you. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Now watch this. This is huge because these are the first words that God's going to say to the people that he's created. First words are important. And he says this, and God blessed them and said to them, be what? Fruitful. And what? Increase. Some of your translations say multiply. God says to be fruitful and multiply in number, fill the earth and subdue it. This is what God created every one of us to do. He created us to be fruitful and to multiply. This past week, I had the opportunity to spend some time with some pastors that are about the same size that we are. And one of the things that we, we discussed and talked about is, is it God's desire for us to grow as a church? Is, is it God just wants us to come to a certain size and then just end there? Or is it God's desire for us to grow? It reminds me early on when the church was only about 200. We're probably running 600 or so on Sundays now. But when the church was about 200, we had people come in and go, man, I love the size of church. In fact, when it's 300, I, I don't really want to be involved in anything over 300. I said, okay, you get to be on the committee that when we reach 300, you get to pick who doesn't get to come anymore. Right now, we think about it like that, and we're like, no, 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 no. See, it is God's desire for us to be fruitful and multiply. And that's what we talked about as pastors. Listen, we're, we're in like the top 15, 20% of all size churches, and that's not to brag on us, that's to brag on God, but God wants us to continue to be fruitful and multiply. But listen, it's easy when you come into a church, even this size, to not be connected with people around you. That's why you need to be in a small group. Listen, we need, to, we need the large growth because everyone matters. People ask all the time, do numbers matter? Yes, numbers matter because every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So we need to do our, our first purpose as a church, know God. But listen, not only do, do large groups of people matter, you matter. So you need to be in a small group. You need to be connected so that people can speak life into your life. God's desire for us is to be fruitful and multiply. He wants you to do it. He wants your business to do it. He wants your family to do it. Some of you take that literally. You got five, six, seven kids. Man, way to go. But listen, God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And listen, if you just stop two, you're okay too, right? But God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. He wants your life to do it. When God is in the middle of something... There is going to be fruitfulness and multiplication that is happening. It's an automatic byproduct. So the question is, why doesn't it happen? Why do we, why do we sometimes get stuck? Here's the reason why. Because we mess up the thing that creates fruitfulness and multiplication. You and I mess it up because in this system, God created a way for fruitful and, and increase to take place. And you know what it actually is. That the things couldn't just have the seed in them. They would have to connect with other things, typically of the opposite gender, so that they could become intimate, so that increase would happen. In fact, check this line out. 
God requires intimacy in order for things to multiply. Ask him to put it up there. You might want to write that down today for you to be for you to remember this and be reminded of this all week long that God requires intimacy in order for things to multiply. So you can have seed and potential inside of you and never see it if intimacy or connection doesn't take place. All kinds of potential inside of you going, man, my brother, he's got potential. Or man, this person in my life, they've got potential, but I don't because I'm not seeing it. Intimacy has to take place. Connection has to take place in order for us to see that fruitfulness and increase in our lives. Listen, that's why the devil, when the devil enters in the scene in Genesis chapter 2, that, and I want you to understand something about the devil, because I think that if you don't understand how your enemy operates then he just continues to jack with you. The Bible says that we are not unaware of the devil's schemes, meaning that you and I can actually understand how he operates, and when we understand how he operates, we can do things about getting him to quit operating like that in our life. That makes sense? All right, there's something you need to know about the devil, and it's not that he's just mean and nasty. All right, he is that, but it's way too shallow to think that the devil's just there to mess with your life, to make you miserable. It's not even close. Satan has a goal, and his goal is to stop the process of intimacy in your life. And if he can stop intimacy between you and God and you and others, he'll stop fruitfulness and increase from happening in your life. Now, you might have a level of it going on, and your level might be more than the rest of the people in your life, but there's so much more potential inside of you, so much more increase that God wants to get out of you. So the devil's scheme is to stop that. Listen, evil's not just there for evil's sake. Sin's not there just for sin's sake. The devil's just not sitting there saying, look, I'm bad, and I'm knowing, and I'm going to make your life miserable. It's not even close. He's trying to create damage on the inside of you so that you will never have intimacy with God. It's one of the reasons why he's so pro-law being preached at church. Where you think God is mad at you all the time and all that you do in serving God is based completely out of fear. I'm just so afraid if I mess up, man, God is going to send me to hell. I'm so afraid that if I'm driving down the road and I have a bad thought, I see a girl jogging and I have a bad thought, and I run into a sign and kill myself, I'm going to hell. Y'all ever had that thought like me? All the guys are looking straight ahead, not making a face. Those are the thoughts of the enemy because he wants to break intimacy with God with me. When I understand that God is loving, I'm in an intimate relationship with him. I can come to him and go, man, I blew it. He goes, I know. I love you anyway. I'm for you. I'm going to help you out. Listen, you're down right now, but you're about ready to get back up. You might have failed, but it doesn't change my love for you. He wants to destroy intimacy between us and God. But he wants to destroy intimacy between us and others all the time. It's why the, the, the people, some of the people in your life, they kind of grate on you sometimes. And they, it's because the enemy is trying to use them to destroy the intimacy that he wants to have happening in your life. Listen. If he can stop intimacy, he can keep you from multiplying. He can keep you from having fruitfulness in your life. If he can keep you messed up where you're actually guarded against all things intimate. And that, there's a lot of people in our society today that, man, they, they know people at a very shallow surface level. All you ever see in them is the guarded person. Then he can keep the seed that, or the potential that's inside of you from ever happening. That's why the devil's on the scene. Every time he shows up on the scene, he's killing the potential. So I always threw out the word of God. He's killing babies. He's not like God. God is all-knowing. 
God knows everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, everything that you're ever going to do. The devil does not know the things that you're going to do. So he knows that inside of those babies, he doesn't know what they're going to do. So if he kills them, he kills the potential. That's what the devil's plan. He hates the seed of the potential inside of you because he's not sure what you're going to be able to do. So he's trying to damage you and hurt you so that the potential never comes out. That's why, and I wrote this down too for you to maybe write down, Satan's goal is to get between you and God and you and others to stop intimacy, period. It's what the devil's goal is because if he can stop intimacy, he can stop the multiplication, he can stop fruitfulness and increase from happening in your life. And if he knows that if he can keep you from being intimate and connected, he can stop the potential that's in your life. Is this making sense today? You begin to understand the schemes of the enemy just a little bit today. Now, now it makes sense why we struggle relationally. It makes sense why, why we, we, again, struggle in our relationship with God, why we struggle in relationships with other people. And so we have relationships, but again, it's not intimate anymore, and it's really messing us up. It really is because we're not, we're not blossoming into our full potential because we're so guarded with people around us. Let me give you a modern-day example of this, porn. Listen, porn isn't there just because it's nasty and evil. It is all that. But that's not why it's there. Again, you're thinking too shallow. Listen, porn is there to give you a sexual encounter without there being another person present. All right? It's there to to keep you having sex all by yourself so that there isn't any intimacy actually going on. And it's messing us up. Secular researchers, sociologists, psychologists have come together and they're concerned. By the way, these are not Christians. They're concerned because people are getting messed up physiologically, psychologically, sociologically, and they're pointing back to this thing called porn. Y'all got to hear this today. And it's messing people up because it is genetically and chemically reprogramming people. So that even if they try to get away from it, or they do get away from it and begin to have a relationship with another person, real intimacy doesn't take place in their life. We're getting messed up. The devil has strategically done his ultimate goal, and that is to stop intimacy so that he can stop the potential that's inside of you. It's not about porn. It's about stopping the closeness of relationship with other people so that you never multiply, so there's never the fruitfulness and the increase coming out of your life. It's the same thing with divorce. Say, Pastor, why does God hate divorce? Well, God doesn't, God hates divorce, but it's not for the reasons that we think. In fact, what we think is, well, because the guy stood there at the altar and he said, I do, and he doesn't anymore, and he should have because he said, I do. Right? (laughs) That's what we're thinking. We think it's all about this vows that we make. But look, here's what it says in Malachi 2. God's talking and he says, I hate divorce, but no one ever asks why God hates divorce. It doesn't have, again, to do with their vows or their faithfulness. And those things are important. Please don't understand. But why does God hate divorce? What was the one God seeking? What is it that God's looking for in marriage? Godly offspring. So God, so, so guard yourselves. God's still talking to us in your spirit. And let none of you be faithless, faithless to the wife of your youth. What's it about? It's about godly offspring. It's all about the potential in that couple. So the devil says, look, if I can create divorce, they'll never have kids. If I can get them to separate before they have kids, they'll they'll never have kids. And if they do have kids and they divorce, they'll grow up wounded and maybe stay isolated and never heal from their wounds. And maybe not only will they be wounded, but maybe they'll wound others. Not maybe, they will. 
He'll wound others and I'll make it where they never want to be intimate with anyone else again. And it was all about the offspring or the seed. It was all about the potential that was inside of them. See, this is why Jesus tells us that the devil is a thief. Listen, anytime something is being stolen from you, killed or destroyed in your life, you can absolutely know beyond any shadow of a doubt that is not God. The devil is a thief. He has come to steal from you, kill you, and to destroy you. But thank God for Jesus because he came that we might have life. Abundant life. Man, I'm telling you, when you know how much God loves you and you know that he's got an abundant life prepared for you, you want to figure out how to love on him, how to obey him, how to love his children, how to invite people into your life. We get so guarded because we're afraid that people are going to see that we're less than or we're not, that we're not able to do everything with excellence. Just so you know, none of us can do everything with excellence. That's why God put us in a body. Because some of you are the hands, some of you are the feet, some of you are an arm, some of you are different parts of the body. And you need to understand that you're all a part of the body so that we can work well together. Not just for Sunday mornings. This isn't about us doing a, a great presentation on Sunday morning. It's about all week long in every area of our life. That when you start up your business and you're going through some challenging season in your life and they're financially, you're dealing with some stuff, then you're thinking, oh God, what's going on? You've got people in your life that can say, man, you were born for this. You were made for this. One of the pastors texted me this morning that we had talked to this past week and he said, man, thank you for speaking life into me. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for reminding me about who I am in Christ. Man, I, thank you. I appreciate that. Listen, it wasn't, any, it wasn't any supernatural moment that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on me and I got out of my body in a trance and I was saying things and I was standing there watching myself going, wow, that's pretty good. I'd like to take notes on that. I just simply was encouraging as life was happening and it made all of the difference in somebody who needed a now word right then. It's about speaking to the potential. Thank God that he came that we might have life. Listen, he came to save us. That save us is is, is from heaven and hell is awesome. I mean, saving us from hell to heaven is awesome. But it's so much more than that. It's to restore, to to um, bring things back that have been broken, things that that are unhealthy to become healthy in your life. God wants to save us from sin and destruction. He came to forgive us of our sins, and in the process, he restored intimacy between us and God. He provided healing so that we would not only heal our physical bodies, he would heal our emotions. He would heal our wounds from our past. And I want to encourage those of you that maybe you went through a divorce. You made a wrong choice, and it's affected some people in your life. Not to let the devil beat you up today. Because God has provided a way for those people to be healed and for those people to be healthy and whole. So that not only will they walk out of stuff, but they'll actually have a testimony to be able to tell other people, let me tell you what I walked out of and what God did in my life. It's amazing how good God is. He's provided healing. So he came to restore We have a tendency to think that we're the only people that really deal with a lot of damaging things in our life. But we all do. Sometimes you can look at the the people that work at the church, like maybe me as a pastor, and you can think that I I live in an ivory tower and I live in a glass bubble and, and no problems ever happen around me. When I'm at home, my wife does everything I'm asking her to do. In fact, when I just kind of think it, she jumps and she's right there to take care of it. My kids are perfectly obedient. All my friends in my life are just, man, Richie, you're the greatest. And I'm like hitting home runs all the time. You know, whenever I'm the guy that throws the winning touchdown. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, I deal with stuff just like you. And I'm not trying to act like I'm better than you. But I'm just trying to say that we all deal with it. 
We all have opportunities to be damaged. In fact, I got to tell you, sometimes as a pastor, I believe that I sometimes have more opportunities to be damaged. Because I'm involved in helping a lot of hurting people. And one thing I know is that hurting people hurt people. And sometimes the people that we help the most, and, and we do all kinds of things to get them back up on their feet and help them, they're the people that bail on us too quickly. And not only do they bail on us, but they say, you know what, you never helped me. You never did anything for me. You're going, are you serious? Did you forget what we did for you? But I don't do those things just so they'll love me. I do those things so that they can become healthy and whole. And all of us are going to deal with some hurts. We're going to deal with some issues because the enemy is trying to get me to go stop helping people. Pastor Richie, don't let anybody in. Don't let people close. Don't let people see that you're imperfect. You know, be guarded. Be, put on the facade on Sunday mornings. Don't share stories about the way you treat your wife incorrectly. Just guard yourself. Be careful with all that stuff. That's what the enemy wants to do to all of us is so that he destroys intimacy. Because if he destroys intimacy, he destroys fruitfulness from happening in my life. He, he stops the potential that is inside of me. So I want to say to every one of you here today, there is tons of potential inside of you. There's more potential than you realize inside of you. Again, some of you think, well, not me. Man, I, oh, I did that. I'm telling you, there's tons of potential inside of every one of you. You have the ability to do more than you ever thought possible. You have the ability to step into the things that God has for you. And some of them, by the way, are going to be related to things that are going on here in the local body. But a lot of things are going to be outside of these four walls. That when you run your business, God's going to make you incredibly successful. When you teach, you're going to be a phenomenal teacher. You're going to be able, maybe even be able to write books about how to teach. That God's going to allow you to step into moments that you're going to be going, wow, look at all of this. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Because I've heard your testimony and you've been like, man, God's done so many incredible things in my life. So it's about the potential. But you're going to have to become aware of what the devil has either stolen or has tried to steal from you. The way that you can tell is what's your outward response. When I'm talking about being in a connect group and I'm talking to you about getting plugged in, are you like, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Rich, I'm not ready to be intimate. I'm, I'm really not ready to be incredibly connected with other people. That may be true, but every one of us can take a first step today. Every one of us can take a step on our journey because, see, we're not all in the same place. But if you're fearful and anxious and you're going, man, I, I can't do that, I'm telling you something that you can do. You can sign up for a connect group today. That can be your first step to just go. You may not be intimate. You may not say one thing in the connect group. You might not know anybody in the group very well, but it's your first step. In fact, what I want to tell you is that you don't have to go home and pray about it. Because if you do, and God's speaking to your heart right now, I promise you, the devil's going to talk you out of it before you get back here next week. So just sign up. Write your name on the dotted line. I'm, I'm committed. I'm all in. Because again, it's about intimacy. And listen, I know right now as I'm talking about this, the, the devil's jacking with a lot of you, and you're very anxious, and you're feeling fearful and afraid. The Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love so when we get God in us, love comes out of us. It's not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, the Holy Spirit operating in our life. That you've got something in you that someone, God's going to bring someone in your life that you need to speak life into. And a sound mind. In other words, he's given you an ability to understand moments 
of when to say something, when not to say something, when to, when to speak life, and when just to be there. That's what God's given us. But it happens when the body of Christ gets connected. One of the worst things in the world would be for my body to be up here, which I'm fairly happy with the way that it looks, to kind of be scattered all over the stage. I mean, honestly, think about it. But when we get in unity, we get connected, we get involved in each other's life. Suddenly my hand's working right, my feet are working right, my mind's working right, my eyes are working right. And suddenly the body begins to function well. And I'm telling you, the devil wants to do everything that he can to make you think, you know what, your Christian's experience is just about you. Go just live it, try to do the best you can. It's not. God's called you to be a part of a body, to get connected, to get plugged in so that the potential that's inside of you You never know when in some moment that you're least going to expect it, somebody's going to say something to you that's going to literally pull the potential out of you and you're going to step into a whole new dimension in your life. But it comes when we're willing to sacrifice how we feel, our past hurts. Say, God, I want to step into this moment and walk in all you have for me. So as our heads are bowed. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.